0: Welcome to Beyond Politics, broadcast on WKXL and available wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Matt Robeson. Today, I once again joined legendary West Virginia radio broadcaster Howard Monroe on his show to talk about liberal media, conservative media, and why there's no answer on the left to the right-winged media machine.
1: And I came across a tweet. The story of the Supreme Court about to overturn Roe is also the story of a massive half-century liberal failure to build a political, media, and legal infrastructure that could effectively compete with the relentless and massive right-wing apparatus that spent 45 years leading to this moment. quote from that tornado. It is something that I have pointed out over and over again. Uh, back in the 80s, the conservative movement, the right-wing movement, if you will, recognized that they needed to take some steps to actually bring their ideas to fruition. And they started with small steps. They they created some think tanks, and they, they got some media uh, under control. And then Fox News came along, and, and slowly but surely over these years, they have built a machine that I think arguably has led to the conservative movement, the right-wing movement, being the dominant political force in our society today. When I read this tweet and I thought about some things I've been thinking about, my first thought was, this is something Matt Robeson and I talk about. So I invited our political analyst, former campaign consultant, and former congressional staffer to join us this morning to talk about it. Matt, good morning, sir. Welcome to the show.
0: Good morning. Thanks for
1: having me back. Um, I thought of you right away when I saw this, because I always talk about you as the big picture guy. and This is the really, really big picture. The right movement um, back, I think, in the 80s, knew they couldn't just jump into control. They had to take it slow but sure, and they did, didn't they?
0: That's totally right. You you totally nailed the history of this. And I think what you saw over the last 35, 40 years was two forces kind of going on at the same time. One was what you were just talking about. There was a recognition on the part of powerful, conservative, right-wing folks with money. The, the right-wing donor class, that they wanted to fund a consistently conservative right-wing media. The other thing that happened was just plain old capitalism. The market responded, and there was a market for this kind of content, and it began to, to kind of catch on. And you got one of these um, virtuous or vicious, depending on your point of view, cycles going where... You had powerful funders putting some real muscle behind right-wing media. And then you had a market ready to accept it. And then you saw the emergence of stars like Rush Limbaugh, Glenn Beck, et cetera, et cetera. And, of course, the spawning of Fox News, which, you know, we we all know about that. But, yeah, I think that basic story is spot on.
1: And and I think it began before before the media became the prevalent factor. They began by building some but, but with some building blocks of creating conservative leaning think tanks. Now people think that's a joke, what's a think tank? But these are the sort of academics who who were able to write papers about and and discuss the the philosophical underpinnings that gave birth that, that, no, not gave birth to They gave form to this movement. Those those early think tanks that were created uh that, that were very conservative leaning, kind of were the They were the the advance guard, I think, if you will, of the the beginning of the conservative movement.
0: Yeah, I did a whole show about this, a fascinating history of exactly what went down with this. It started with an organization called the Heritage Foundation. There were others. There were copycats. But if you go to the Beyond Politics podcast feed and you look for the episode with E.J. Fagan, he's a political scientist, he is literally writing the book on this it's an entire history of you know they're, they're, it's it's kind of what you picture in a movie right it's like something out of all the president's men where there was a group of donors they got together in a in a dark room <laughs> well i'm imagining it was dark they got together in a room and they said, we need to do this and it's going to be a grass tops type thing we are going to try to change the direction of the leadership we're going to try and change their thinking we're going to change their assumptions we're going to create fodder to push our political agenda, and we're going to push them to the right. And then everything else and everyone else will follow. Now, in the years since, the kinds of things that the conservative, the right-wing think tank apparatus puts out also finds its way into right-wing media. It becomes fodder for talking points on Fox News or conservative radio, etc. By the way, I'm not absolving the left entirely from this. They they saw that the right had a good thing going, and they tried to get in on it. And there are, there are plenty of organizations. Look, I host many of these folks on my shows because there are some bona fide experts who have interesting things to talk about. But that's exactly how the whole thing got started.
1: When it came time to reach out to sort of the general public, again, I'm, I'm sort of taking this step by step. They built the think tanks. which uh, You had the donor class, which began to fund the think tanks which began to create some philosophical underpinnings for conservative leadership. Uh, And and that was still sort of academic, political class only, folks. It was when the media came on board that began to reach to the general public that I think made a difference. And I think a huge, and I want to talk in a minute here, what did the Democrats fail to do? But I think a huge failure on the Democrats' part and a success on on the conservative part was they understood you had to make the conservative philosophy palatable. Roger Ailes created Fox News, and yes, it was a conservative network, but it was damn good TV. I mean, it was really good TV. He created a, for lack of a better word, entertaining television network that was based on conservative principles. The early days of Rush Limbaugh were the same way. Rush was a conservative And I've often talked about this on speeches I give on on radio. Rush wasn't first successful simply because he was conservative. He was successful in the early days because he was entertaining. He understood you couldn't just lecture. He wasn't William. By the way, I loved William F. Buckley Jr. I loved William F. Buckley Jr. Uh, But he wasn't William F. Buckley Jr. and firing line on PBS. I mean, he he was an entertaining rock jock who became a talk host. Who use conservative principles to entertain the public? So both Fox News and Rush Limbaugh, two specific examples, and the two early examples, understood to reach the public, you got to kind of go where they are. You got, you can't be too pointy torty, You got to get them in their, in their living rooms, if you will. I don't think the Democratic side of things, the left side of things, ever understood that, Matt. I really don't.
0: Well, first of all. Who was it who said no one ever went broke underestimating the taste of the American public, right? It was P.T. Barnum, I think. So, yeah. yeah, and we've just seen that absolutely demonstrated to uh, the nth degree with a president of the United States becoming Donald Trump. We have a an almost literal carnival barker becoming president of the yeah. United States by appealing to – he was not talking in, in math. He was not talking in policy. He was, he was basically observing the Howard Stern principle, which was, you know, in the early days of Howard Stern, when he was really becoming a breakout star on radio in New York City, what they found in the demographics was that about a third of his audience listened to him because they loved him, and they couldn't wait to see what he had to say next. About two-thirds of his audience hated him, and they listened because they couldn't wait to see what he had to say next. And so you're totally right about the entertainment part of this. But I gotta say, I, I do think there's another factor, and I do think this kind of comes around to the ultimate point that you're driving at, which is, well, why doesn't this work on the liberal side? And you know how it's always unsatisfying? Like the worst way to start a conversation is I had a dream last night, let me tell you about it. And I was like, oh gosh. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna sit through this. Well, it's always it's always not particularly great when you're doing a piece of analysis and you're like, it comes down to basic voter psychology. It's, oh, gosh. I can't. I, I don't want to listen to that drivel.
1: Pardon me look, if you don't mind. I'm going to take a nap. You finish up there. Yeah. Take a nap.
0: All right. Well, at the risk of this, I do have to say that I do think that there is a basic difference in the way right wingers and everyone else sees the world. I really do think it boils down to this. Ultimately, and this is sort of that the insight also that went hand in hand with what you're talking about that went into the creation of Fox News and, and conservative talk radio. The insight is that Republic let's just call them Republicans and Democrats a shorthand for lack of better terms. Mm-hmm. Democrats see the world something like this. There are news organizations out there. They do what journalists do, they report, they give analysis. Look. Individual reporters, they might be personally liberal. We acknowledge that, right? Most l- reporters are probably liberal. And of course, the editorial pages of big outlets like the Washington Post, New York Times, they're definitely liberal. Okay, we, we agree. But fundamentally, they're a whole set of what we would call legitimate news organizations. And by the way, if there's a problem in me- in news media out there, the solution is more journalism. Now, Republicans view the world totally differently. They view the world as... Every organization that's part of the news media is just a political organization. They don't accept that there is such a thing as journalism that has journalistic standards and attempts to maintain objective truth. They think anyone who believes that is telling themselves a fable. And so to them, the solution to problems in news media is more Republican media organizations that put out stories and analysis that support the Republican political agenda. They, they. I'm, I'm really trying to be kind of objective about this. I really do think that that is the outlook. So just to bring it full circle back to your point, I do think there was a fundamental recognition on the part of some pioneers like the Limbaugh's and the Roger Ailes's out there, that what they needed to create was something that appealed to the Republican worldview, which is right. it's all just a political game. There's no such thing as objective journalism. And so what we need to supply is content that confirms what people already think. It's it's sort of political and media comfort food. And it worked. It totally worked.
1: Yeah, I, I want to stay focused on the media here for a second, though, because I, this has been a long-time bugaboo of mine. Um, again, Roger Ailes, Rush Limbaugh specifically, and the two of them had connections, of course, but they understood that you had to, I don't want to say sugarcoat, that's not the right word, but... You had to make the discussion of conservative principles palatable. You had to make it entertaining. Uh, with Rush Limbaugh, it meant funny songs and clever cliches. With Roger Ailes, it meant really attractive women in super short skirts. I mean, that was the message. That was the way they they packaged uh, their message. I, I think back to when the um, the Democrats, if you will. The, the liberals wanted to try to compete with the Limbaugh's and the, the left, the right-wing radio. And they created this thing called Air America. You remember Air America. But it was all about policy. It was never designed to be entertaining. I remember talking to the folks who were involved with Air America. And I said, guys, what you have to do, you need to get people that are, ent- just like Rice Limbaugh was, entertaining liberals. Instead, you know, Al, Al Franken was pretty entertaining, but they put people on, they build a network around policy and around being the left, instead of building a network that should have been, first of all, entertaining and welcoming to to people who just wanted to listen and not get too overly engaged. That's been a long time bugaboo of mine, and and I don't think that the the left wing has ever ever really figured this this out. That you have to be, you can't be strident. You have to be palatable to the to the public.
0: Oh, totally. Yeah, you're totally right, and. We've seen this movie again and again and again with attempts to bounce it out. And it goes back to the point I was, I was making a moment ago, which is when Democrats see a problem in news media, I'm air quoting there, right? When, when Democrats see a problem out there, they think the solution is more journalism, more news, more facts, more analysis, more policy, right? They, their solution is let's add more something that looks like a news organization. And that's what happened with Air America. And it's what happened when, when there was an attempt to create a a completely unapologetic, totally left-leaning, kind of propaganda-esque news outlet. It was called Think Progress. You remember Think Progress?
1: I remember it well, yes.
0: It was an arm of the big think tank, Center for American Progress. Well, it it crashed and burned as well. Why? Because... Donors weren't interested in creating a propaganda outlet. They were interested in creating a news outlet that did journalism. And it's just, I, I know it's its unsatisfying. It's like starting a story or ending a story with, you know, and then the dream ended and the little boy fell out of bed. It's unsatisfying as an answer, but it really does come down to a fundamental outlook. And I, I agree with you. It, it's just not in the Democrats' nature to think, okay, maybe what we need to do is create something super entertaining. Now, by the way, by the way, let me just take a step back here. There is a version of this. There is a version of this, and it's called political satire. Democrats actually do do that, and they do it pretty well, hence the Daily Show, the Colbert Report. And those kinds of things did and do flourish. And all of the late-night hosts are, you know, they're, they're fundamentally more liberal-leaning. But there's been a lot of scholarship on this, and satire doesn't change people's minds. Satire doesn't work. There's actually a great, if you're a podcast person, and I hope everyone's listening is, and that they'll sub- subscribe to <laughs> Mind Beyond Politics, plug. But there's a great episode of the Malcolm Gladwell podcast Revisionist history. We looked at this. It's like, why doesn't satire change people's minds? It just doesn't. So that's sort of the left's approach. It's either let's give people a lot of kind of fact based stuff, policy, it's more news, right? It's more news, or it's let's do very intelligent satire. And it's great and people love it, but it doesn't fundamentally move the
1: needle. So it leaves, it begs the question, uh, 40 years behind the curve in a sense of the conservative movement from all the work they've done back to the 80s to now. What? I mean, if you were were the great king and poobah of liberalism and you were able to to craft the plan, if you had one of these giant donors who was going to, George Soros was going to give you all this money and said, Matt, craft the plan, how do we do it? What would you do? What do we do?
0: Oh boy, I, you know that's really hard because guess what? I'm uh, while I'm kind of something of a centrist personally, I'm a Democrat, and so my first instinct is well, maybe what we need is another nonprofit news organization. No, that's the wrong instinct. All right, the very first thing I would do, the very first thing I would do is I would pierce the BS that's out there.
1: I, I, I
0: you're you're making me like Grand Czar of the Universe. I would go on a tirade across all media to, to fundamentally get rid of this victimhood complex that exists among Republicans of, oh, the liberal news media, which is such a gigantic crock. I, just, I, I'm just going to quickly throw some numbers at you very, very quickly. Fox News, it almost swept the 100 most watched cable newscasts in August, 94 of the top 100. 13 of the 14 top-rated cable news. Okay, so we all know cable news, Fox totally dominates. It's got about a two-to-one advantage over MSNBC in in viewership. But most people don't get their news, their analysis, their thinking from cable news anymore. Now, there is conservative radio. Did you know that there are 1,500 conservative radio stations across the country? And at least 15 million Americans tune in to one of the top 15 talk radio programs, and 12 of those are conservatives? So they dominate talk radio. But then the way that most people get their news these days is online. Well, guess who dominates there too, right? right? There were In 2019, there were 20 conservative websites that attracted at least a million unique visitors per month. The most dominant, of course, is foxnews.com, more than 100 million unique visitors per month. And they're totally dunking on the New York Times, Washington Post. So, you know, you could keep spouting through these things, but... I guess the first thing we could do is we could we could stop kidding ourselves that there's some kind of balance here. It is a total runaway victory for conservative media. And the, the other point I would make as part of that is don't don't believe for a second that there are mirror images of each other, because, again, all of these outlets that you might classify as liberal New York Times, Washington Post, they are not mirror images of Fox News. They are attempting to follow journalistic standards. Are their opinion pages liberal-leaning? Yes. Are their reporters liberal-leaning? Yes. But they actually try and do objective reporting. Fox News tries to do no such thing. So the answer to your question, after all of that rambling preamble, I guess what I would do is I would say, hey, Tom Steyer, how about instead of a vanity campaign for president, which you were never going to win? Hey, Michael Bloomberg, same thing. Like, let's just do it. Let's get the most entertaining people in America, and we're not going to do high-minded satire. We're not going to do kind of like arch, droll, dry, you know, next level stuff like, you know, Colbert did. We are going to do flat out entertaining, full bore, you know, Democratic propaganda all the time. And, you know, I, I'm i not sure that there is a better solution than fire with fire. Do you have one? I mean, you're, you're an no, experienced I, no, media and I think commentator. That is,
1: I think that is the answer. And I think that is, that is our problem. And I feel... Guilty myself. I am perpetually being criticized by some of my friends from the left that I don't get um, ramped up enough, and I need to attack the other side more, and, and so on. And I I, would, I have no problem doing that. Folks who want to check out the interview I had with the Congressman Mooney last week will, will see that I have no problem uh, doing that when I feel it's necessary. But I'm, I come out of a journalistic background. And I try to be fair, and I try to see the point of the other side sometimes. And I get criticized for that. Why can't you be more aggressive? Why can't you be more of a flamethrower? And it's just, it's not my style, and, and I don't know that that's, I don't know if I'm right or wrong. You know, part of me says I need to be more, uh, more, more of a, uh, uh, but, but use some of the techniques of conservative talk shows. But so I, I, I think your point is very well taken, both in terms of what we should do, And in terms of why it is hard for us to do, we tend – and by we, I mean Democrats, left leaning folks – we tend to want to see all sides and be objective about it. Conservatives, as a general rule, don't care. And I think that's that's the distinction right there.
0: Well, I'll just – I'll give you one final piece, and I'm going to kind of disagree with myself a little bit. Because my instinct, of course, is fight fire with fire. And you know what? I think it's worth a try. I think it's worth it, despite the kind of Hindenburg-like disastrous, you know, pattern of trying to go down this road that Democrats have seen, time in, time out. I think it's worth a try. I would, I would grab Tom Steyer and say, let's, let's go for it. Let's do it. But I'd like to kind of finish on some, some comfort for Democrats, which is the same things that kind of make it hard in our DNA to do what the right wing does. It gives us a set of advantages. Two, we're better at some. We're better at the policy stuff. We're better at you know facts, as Stephen Colbert said, have a well-known liberal bias, Um, and we're also awfully good at things like organizing. We're good at the things that Stacey Abrams did, actually doing social justice work that connects with, with people. There is a long and rich history of that in the Democratic Party, and it's less satisfying. It's it's less kind of emotionally punched. It, it doesn't feel as good as, all right, we're getting punches from Rush Limbaugh. We're going to punch back. I guess he's dead now. But, you know, it, it's, it, it doesn't feel like we're actually tackling the problem. But we do have to have some faith that the arc of the moral universe is long, and it doesn't just happen – on its own, but with a lot of work and perseverance, it does bend toward justice. And in fact, notwithstanding what's likely to happen at the Supreme Court with Roe v. Wade, we are on a 50 year long march, generally in a progressive direction in this country. And so patience, perseverance, use the tools that Democrats are good at. I also think that's part of the answer.
1: Matt, I have to run on. I want to encourage people to check out your podcast, Beyond Politics in particular, and I want them to check out one particular podcast you had recently, and I wanted to talk about this today, but I don't have time. Uh, if you look by the numbers, Democrats are doing fairly well under Joe Biden. I mean, the economy is, doing, despite what we seem to think, the economy is doing well, uh, the, the COVID vaccination uh, efforts are doing well. But by the numbers, the Democrats, the Biden administration doing well, and yet his his uh, approval ratings are tanking, and it seems as if the conservative movement, the right wing, is is in control. I don't have time to talk about it today, but I do want to encourage people. You had a podcast on this where you interviewed, and I forget who your guest was, but took a look at this issue, right?
0: Yes, absolutely. We've been actually talking to a ton of experts. Um, Eliza Astro from uh, the Think Tank Third Way, they've done a a ton of uh, uh, focus group work. Just try and understand what's going on in the minds of voters. Also, two excellent experts from Global Strategy Group the, uh, on the attitudes of black Americans, which is super important for turnout and enthusiasm in the Democratic Party, especially, obviously. So uh, two great episodes from last week that get right at that question. It's in Beyond Politics. And look, final thing I'll say is I do another podcast. If you're into the policy stuff and you, you just like great ideas and, the, and not the politics shouting, check out the podcast Great Ideas. We do plenty of that. It's not fighting the Fox News machine, but it's good stuff.
1: All right. Appreciate it, Matt. Always good talking to you. We'll do it again sometime soon, I am sure. Thanks for joining me today.
0: Thanks so much. And thanks for listening to Beyond Politics on WKXL. I'm Matt Robeson, and I do hope that you will subscribe to Beyond Politics and The Great Ideas Show and Capital Close-Up wherever you get your podcasts.